Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast by Preset Ministries Canada. Come discover God's truth for yourself by studying His Word and deepen a personal, transformational relationship with God. You are listening to the series Contend for the Faith, the Book of Jude. Hello everyone, Mark Sheldrake here. Welcome to Unlocking the Truth podcast. This is a ministry of Preset Ministries in Canada. And we're so thankful that you're tuning in. Maybe you're listening on Spotify or SoundCloud directly on our website, available on YouTube. You can watch along and uh, see how this whole thing works. If you're tuning in that way, thank you very much. Uh, Share the podcast with people. Uh, We're excited. This podcast is reaching more people than we ever imagined in more countries than we ever thought it would ever reach. And uh, we're so thankful to keep it going. And uh, and just looking forward to how the video portion of this is going to make an impact for the gospel in Canada and around the world. Uh, So thank you for that. Actually, we're working through the book of Jude. This is episode three, and we are going to be looking at the ungodly this week. But before we do, I wanted to walk us through... Uh, a couple of things about precept and for you to pay attention to and hopefully participate in as we grow as a ministry. Uh, Precept, we are looking for and starting uh, in-person workshops throughout uh, the year. If you would like to host a precept workshop in your area, please reach out to us at training at preceptministries.ca. We'd love to come to your church. We have multiple trainings that we can do, uh, and you can um, encourage the people around you to come and uh, join in an inductive Bible study training workshop. Uh, When it comes to all the things that we do uh, for no charge, that includes our training, that includes the conferences, that's putting out the podcast and things like this and our digital content, would you consider, if Precept is making an impact in your life, to consider giving to the ministry by using the donate button on our website. We're actually looking for 2,500 people to commit $100 for the entire year to precept. $100. It's not a a large amount of money, but it would be great to uh, have that. Uh, Here's why. We can use that to further engage people in relationship with God through knowing His Word. We can continue to produce uh, video content. We can continue to produce this podcast, as well as translate materials and keep everything that we do out in the country free, no charge to the participant. And so uh, 2,500 people, $100, that's $2 a week, or $10 over 10 months and keep that commitment going uh, into the future. That's $250,000 a year for Precept 2 to open the doors to do way more ministry in Canada. So you can uh, find out more about that on our website and uh, get engaged in giving to the ministry and uh, get more people into the Word of God because we know that as we're looking at the book of Jude and in previous episodes, we've talked about the importance of contending earnestly for the faith. This is one way to contend earnestly for the faith. It is to partner with ministries like ours who are so engaged in holding firm to the teachings and sound doctrine of God's Word as it goes out to our country. So, folks, this is very important for us, and I think that uh, it is a worthy investment that you can participate in. And again, back to our website for all that information. 
after the podcast ends. All right, let's dig in to the book of Jude, uh, and let's look at chapter 3, focusing on the ungodly. But before we do, let's commit our time to the Lord. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the tools that we have to be able to not only provide this in an audio format, but now in a video format. And I pray that you would continue to use this podcast to engage people in your word, not only in Canada, but in the way that it's being used around the world. Equip us, Lord. Help us to be strengthened, to stand firm in the days that lie before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the book of Jude, we have learned that this book written by Jude, Jesus' brother, and we've learned that really it's 25 verses, and we're breaking it down over five episodes. Uh, Last episode, we looked at the called. We looked at those who uh, are kept for Jesus, the ones who are beloved, all of those things that we uh, looked at. We looked at the Greek words and the definitions. But what we really paid attention to was Jude's reason for writing. And he intended to write for one purpose and changed it. And he decided that he's got a right to contend earnestly for the faith. That there's no greater thing than to fight for the faith right now because there are false teachers teaching things that are not in line or contrary to the gospel and to the word of God. That's why we're looking at Jude, because where we're in in the world right now, that's the exact same thing that's happening here, is that we have people who are teaching contrary to the word of God. And we, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to go to war. This is a spiritual battle, and we need to fight for the faith. We need to fight for sound doctrine, and we need to teach it. And we need to teach it to people. And that's why we can't sit idly by and just be people who are consuming the Word of God at every opportunity we get. We've got to be discipling people according to the Great Commission. And so this week, Jude begins to take a turn. And he focused last episode, we kind of introduced it. But in verse 4, he tells us that there are certain persons who have crept in unnoticed. He says they are those who uh, long beforehand were marked out for condemnation. They are ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Before we go on, let's understand that one of the ways that the book of Jude breaks down in the segments is that from verse 4, Four, all the way through now to about verse 16, this is all going to be about the judgment of God on those who sin. So we're going to have another episode to look at this, but we're focusing this week on verses 5 to 8. And in verses 5 to 8, Jude brings out three Old Testament examples of judgment. And so these three Old Testament examples of judgment are very important, and they build on one another. And let me tell you, when we get to the third one, 
you're going to be looking at that and you're going to be saying, that's what's happening in the world today. And so we're going to walk through these together. And so let's look at these examples. All right, so we've got first, in verse 4, these certain people, they've crept on in unnoticed. They long beforehand set out for judgment. They deny Jesus. And then it says, I desire to remind you in verse 5, that though you know all things once and for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. So what we've got here, remember, Jude is a book of reminding. They know who they are in Christ. They are believers. But they've got some people who have snuck in unnoticed, and they are teaching false doctrine. And so what he says is, you know all these truths. You know about the character of God. You know about the Old Testament. You know about how God hates sin and God judges sin. All of these things you know about, and therefore, we are going to uh, just remind you of all of these truths. Don't forget them. They're so important. All right, so the first example that is given here is the example of Israel. The example of Israel and how God brought them out of Egypt. But it says not only did he bring them out of Egypt, he subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. All right, so we want to go back. We want to go back in time and we want to look at Israel. And so we're going to do some cross-referencing into the text this week. And in our cross-references, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 12, uh, verses 37 to 41. All right, so Exodus chapter 12, uh, 37 to 41. And listen to what Moses says in these verses regarding Israel. It says, Now the sons of Israel journeyed from... Uh, Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds and a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread, for it had not become leaven, since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay. Nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So there's a couple really great things that are right in this verse that we want to look at. First is 600,000 men that came out of Egypt. That does not include uh, women and children. It's believed that there was well over a million people that Moses was leading out of Egypt into the wilderness uh, to free them from Pharaoh. Uh, they were in captivity for 430 years. And so uh, this event that was taking place 430 years after uh, initially taken into captivity. I want to also look at Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, verses 36 to 43, listen to what uh, Luke has to tell us about the events 
of Israel's past when it comes to being taken out of Egypt. All right, so Acts chapter 7, starting at verse 36. Uh, The man led them out performing wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for years. This is the Moses who said to the sons of Israel, God will raise you up for you are a prophet like from your brethren. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai, who was with our fathers, and he received living oracles to pass on to you. Our fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him, but reputed, repudiated him and made their hearts turn back to Egypt. Pause. Pause for a moment, because remember, what Judah's pointing to is Judah's pointing to these ungodly people and how they deny their master, Lord and Jesus Christ. Here we see, back in the time of Israel, as Moses was leading them out of the desert, he was leading them to Sinai. It says that the fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him. They repudiated him, and their hearts turned back to Egypt. Listen to how they were obedient to Moses and essentially to the Lord. They turned their heart back to Egypt. Verse 40 says, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will be go before us. For Moses, who has led us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what happened to him. At that time, they made a calf and brought a sacrifice to the idol who were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and delivered them up to serve the host of heaven. As it is written in the book of prophets, it was not me that you offered victims and sacrifices 40 years in the wilderness, was it, O house of Jacob? You also took along the tabernacle of Molech and the star of God. Rampha, the images which you made to worship, I also removed, remove you beyond Babylon. Okay, there's a couple things in here that I think are 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 very interesting. Uh, one is that as they're brought out of Egypt and God is leading them through this, and and you know one of the uh, movies that I just love and my my dad loves this movie too. It is the Ten Commandments with uh, Charlton Heston. My dad, I think I mentioned this before, but my dad always would turn the TV off as Moses parted the sea, and uh, all the chariots got. Uh, uh, swept up in the water when the sea came back into its regular place. But here you have these amazing works of God. You've got these amazing works of God to be brought out of the land of Egypt. And Israel would see all of these things firsthand. But when Moses goes up to Sinai to get the law and he disappears for a while, the hearts of the people turn back toward Egypt and to worshiping what they were most comfortable with, these false gods that they would have been doing that over 430 years, to the fact that when they get Aaron to collect up all the gold, throw it in the fire, melt it down, and create a calf, and that calf was for them to worship. All of this in the time period that Moses was up getting the law and, and being with God. They're like, where is he? He's our leader. He's directing us. But they're missing the fact that they saw the work of God the entire time. And so uh, one of my favorite parts of that 
story in the Old Testament is that that calf, that golden calf, according to Aaron, it just popped out of the fire. It just popped out. Like, it popped out as a calf. Nobody formed and fashioned it. No, that's not the case. They, they built that, and they, they turned back to worshiping false gods and turned back to idols. The fathers were unwilling to be obedient when the Ten Commandments were being received. Verse 40 tells us they made idols and they worshiped false gods. This is the Israel that he is referring to when he says in Jude that he brought them out of the land of Egypt and that uh, when he brought them out, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. The rebellious people that were um, not believing were destroyed. We'll look at that. Here are a couple of passages that you can look at on your own, but we're going to summarize these passages for you. Otherwise, we're going to be here all day. We're going to have a podcast that is going to go well beyond the time limit that we want to set for ourselves, and we'll be working through this for uh, more than an hour. Uh, Numbers chapter 13. Uh, We're looking at Numbers 13, Numbers 14, uh, two of the chapters in which we learn that Moses was leading the, the Israelites to the promised land, and they sent out 12 spies. They sent out 12 spies to go and look at the land and come back and report what they found. They came back, uh, Joshua and Caleb and the other uh, ten, 10 came back and reported that, yes, the land was a land of milk and honey and great blessing. But within that land, there were giants. There were people that uh, they did not want to go up against. And so when the spies got together, they they determined to come back and report to Moses that the land wasn't any good and we should not go toward it. But Caleb and Joseph, they were ones who determined, yeah, you know what, we should pursue uh, that land. We should move forward. They were the ones who were obedient. And so uh, Numbers chapter 14, uh, verses 6 to 10, is where we find that. So Numbers uh, 14, uh, in verses... 6 to 10, Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into, uh, the, into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And then in verse 10 it says, But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of the meeting to all the sons of Israel. So you've got Caleb and Joseph who were being obedient. They, they understood the character of God. They understood what God was promising them. They remember Joshua was one of them that came out of the land of Egypt. They saw the work of God bringing them out of that time. And they knew that if it was God's plan to give them the land, that God was going to remove 
the enemies from the land and take care of them, and that God would provide, and they had no need to fear. But the people were in great fear from the reports that came back, and they determined to rebel against the plan of God and to stone the two faithful people that were going to lead them. And what do we know? What do we know out of all this? We know that it was Joshua that led the Israelites into the promised land in Joshua chapter 1 and through the book of Joshua. And so we've got another example of Israel being disobedient and not being faithful to the Lord. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul points out about the Israelites. He says, for I do not want you to be aware, and this is in the first three verses. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate and drank the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. These things happened as an example for us, so that they would not crave evil things as they also crave. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up uh, to play. Nor let us act immorally, as some of them did. 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try or test the Lord, as some of them did, and they were destroyed by serpents. Don't grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things all happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Okay, there's some really cool stuff in this chapter that we want to look at. And first of all, uh, because we like to list, because we like to list things out, precept people, we observe, we interpret, we apply. And we observe of what Paul says about the Israelites in verses uh, 1 to 11 of chapter 10. All right, he calls these people. He tells us that the Israelites, that they were grumblers, that they were idolaters, that they were immoral, that they tested the Lord, all of these things. And the result for being a grumbler, for testing the Lord, for being immoral, uh, for, for being idolaters, God judged them. God destroyed them because they were not obedient to him. And if you can remember back to our Romans podcast, all the way back to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, the righteousness of God is revealed, but also the wrath of God is revealed against unrighteousness. Folks, God hates sin. God is going to judge sin. And 
missing the mark or falling short of being obedient to God is sin. And God is going to take care of those who sin. He is going to judge. Uh, Another exciting thing that we're doing this year is we are launching the Problem with Evil Conference. The Problem with Evil Conference is going to be uh, hosted in a number of locations across Canada. You can find out the details on our website. We are still looking for some places to host the conference, but we're going to look at how and why does God allow suffering? So we're going to study the scriptures together. I'll be at the locations teaching as well as some of our Bible study leaders. And this is all in partnership with the Unlocking the Truth podcast. And so uh, a great opportunity. If you've just been listening to this podcast, come to one of the locations. Uh, Come and introduce yourself. Come and participate in the conference. Uh, It is absolutely free. Everything that we're doing is free so you can come and participate. It's a Friday night and an all-day Saturday conference. Looking forward to having that uh, in uh, your part of the country. It's important for us to note there's a couple of things that Paul says in these verses to the people of Corinth. And he tells them, he says, take heed. He calls them to pay attention. He calls them to be aware. He wants them to be awake to the fact that God judges sin. Don't crave evil things. Don't be idolaters. Don't act immorally. Don't test God. Don't complain. All of these things happen. Why did they happen? They happen as an example for us. Folks, we have the Old Testament. We have all of the Old Testament stories, which are absolutely vital for us today. Why? Because these are the examples that we can learn from. These are the examples that we can live by. We can learn from the Old Testament. We can learn how to behave in a way that's obedient to Him. We can learn that God is a just God, that He is going to deal with sin, and He is going to judge And therefore, because he is going to judge, we need to take heed and be aware of that. That knowing that our lives should be clothed in righteousness, that we should be pursuing obedience at all costs, because even though God chose Israel, that God brought Israel out of Egypt, God's greatest desire for his people and for you and I is obedience. Above anything else, even though chosen, he requires complete obedience. And even those who are chosen, like the Israelites, judgment comes for disobedience. We want to make sure that we are living a life of obedience. Now, let me preface before we move on any further. I am not talking about where we might cause ourselves to sin once in a while. I'm talking about habitual disobedience. If we have habitual disobedience in our lives, we're probably not saved. We want to ensure that we are pursuing righteousness. 
habitual sin. It does not rule over the child of God anymore. The child of God pursues righteousness. The child of God pursues obedience. The child of God wants to live for Jesus. The child of God wants to beat off sin and get rid of it and kill it off in our lives so that we can be more like Jesus each and every day. Habitual sin does not rule us anymore because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what we want to see here is what Jude is saying, is Jude is telling us that God judges sin. And he judged Israel because of their disobedience. And just like Paul said in Corinthians, take heed, be aware, be awake. You have Jude saying in verse 3, believers, contend earnestly for the faith. Fight for the faith. Fight for sound doctrine. Perform good deeds. Pursue Christ at all costs. Be aware that you have certain people, ungodly people, that are a part of your group, your church, that they cause licentiousness, that they turn grace into licentiousness, that they deny Jesus as Master and Lord. God is going to judge those people just like he judged the Israelites who were not obedient. That's just example number one. I mean, there's two more examples to go. And so we want to look at the next example. And this one is even more fascinating than the first one. Let's look at this together. Verse 6, it says, The angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for judgment of the great day. Why is this so fascinating? Why is this such an amazing uh, opportunity to look at this? Because we're studying through the book of Jude, observe, interpret, and imply. But we also need to know this is quite the controversial verse. There's, there's a lot of discussion that happens around this verse, specifically for the fact that Jude is pointing out angels, angels who are currently, it says, kept in eternal bonds under darkness, waiting for the judgment of the great day. All right, so let's look first at our simple observations before we begin any interpretation into what we're going to look at in this verse. All right, so what does the text tell us about the angels? One, they didn't keep their own domain. They abandoned their proper abode. And because of that, God has kept them in eternal bonds. Uh, He has handcuffed them like prisoners, and they are waiting for the judgment of the great day. That's a simple, simple observation to see just by looking at the text. We can draw a circle around angels and see that information that is there for us. All right, so uh, God has kept them in eternal bonds. We're going to look at these things uh, individually. First, we want to look at cross-references as a part of our interpretation. We want to go to the book of 2 Peter. And in 2 Peter, uh, we see judgment uh, and for sin in reference to what Jude is talking about. All right, 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 11. Listen to what the text tells us. Uh, Therefore, 
Oh, chapter two. Boy, I better move. I'm in First Peter. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to First Peter. In Second Peter chapter two, false prophets, verse one, arose among the people, just as there will also be false prophets among you who secretly introduced destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them swift destruction upon themselves. You see, do you see the comparison? This is why when we look at the book of Jude, we think that Jude was written after Peter because some of the same wording is there. Uh, as the licentious people who turn grace into licentiousness deny their master, so too do these false teachers uh, deny the master in verse uh, 1 of Second Peter. They brought them a swift destruction upon themselves. Judgment is coming. Their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle. We see the same terminology in Jude, that this judgment was set out for them long ago. Uh, their destruction is not asleep. Now listen to verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, then God did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, and he brought a flood upon the ungodly. We'll come back to verse 6, but we'll look, let's look at verse 6 now, but it's the other example. It says, If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who live ungodly lives thereafter. So Peter points to the same analogy as Jude, in that God judge angels because they sinned. All right, now let's look at verse uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 18 to 20, which are probably similar verses, which you've probably heard these verses used before, but listen to what Peter says with the principle of these angels in judgment. Uh, for Christ also died for his sins once and for all, uh, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but a made alive in Christ, in which also he went and made proclamations to the spirits now in prison, who were once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through the water. Okay, so we have a controversial verse now in 1 Peter chapter 3. Here's why it's controversial. Uh, the word spirits there, there are some scholars who point to the spirits being people. That the people who drowned in the days of Noah, these are the people that Jesus went and he spoke to uh, and proclaimed that he has defeated sin. Other scholars point to these spirits as being the same spirits referred to by Peter and Jude. These angels who did not keep their proper abode, that were disobedient to God, and they were captured, they were brought into eternal bonds, and held in place of darkness until the judgment of God comes. Uh, the most likely 
interpretation of this is that these spirits in 1 Peter are a reference to the days of Noah when the angels were around uh, on the earth. And they, as we know from the book of Jude, that the sons of God referred to in Jude, that the sons of God had access to both heaven and earth, because we see in Jude that the sons of God come back to report what they were doing on the earth. But Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6 gives us a lot of insight into this reference to sons of God, also referring to angels. And in Genesis chapter 6, as I turn there, let's look at what this, uh, these references are, uh, starting in verse 1. Uh, now it came about when the men began to multiply on the face of the land, and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters, the angels saw the daughters of man, and they were beautiful. They took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Uh, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and God, uh, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of the men, they bore children to them, those who were mighty men, uh, who were of old men of renown. Then we get verse 5. All right, so let's look first at these first four verses. We've got the sons of God there on the earth. They're doing the work of God. They, they have the authority and the ability to be able to move from their proper domain, their proper place, their proper authority, which is in heaven. They are messengers of God. They are workers of God. And they were doing the work of God and going, as, as Job tells us, heading back up to heaven and reporting of the work that they were doing. And so they, their proper place was heaven, living in heaven. The place that we strive to be as believers, that was their place. And they abandoned that place, that place with God. And they chose to live on earth, and they chose to uh, lay with these women and have children with these women. And so when Jude says that they abandoned their proper abode, they chose the place of earth over the glorious place of heaven. And that then made these angels disobedient to God. They chose their desires, their wants, over what was the will of God for their life. And because they did this, God has kept them in eternal judgment. He's bound them in darkness for the day of eternal judgment. And that day that he is talking about, that great day, uh, we can go to Matthew chapter 24 and see that we are talking about the final judgment when Jesus is sitting on his throne, when both man and spirit will be judged by their deeds for their behavior. God is going to judge the angels. And so that's example number two, that God 
if he didn't, as Peter says, if he didn't spare the angels, his messengers, his chosen people, he's not going to spare those who sin. All right, so God judges Israel, example one, number one. God judges the angels, example number two. And that brings us to example number three, which quite possibly could be even more controversial right now in 2023 in comparison to the fact that we've got to wrap our minds around the very fact that God judged angels. <laughs> you know, uh, this one here, there's probably way more discussion happening on these verses in our world today because of what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, verse 7, it starts as, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. So let's look at a couple of the words in these verses first. Before we move our way through the text and we bring in our cross-references, we want to look at the first two words of verse 7, just as. Those first two words are, are the word like. They're a comparison. So what we have to understand is that that just as, what Jude is doing is Jude is comparing the angels and Sodom and Gomorrah. He's putting them together in the same boat. And so what he says here is, just as, like Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, that word these is referring to the angels. Just as the angels indulged in gross immorality, what did the angels do again? They left their proper abode, they left their proper position, they left their proper authority, and they determined to be with women and have children over the role that God had given them. And so this was a gross immoral act according to God because he has kept the angels in bonds waiting for judgment of the great day just as Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah indulged in gross immorality, and they too are an example of punishment by the eternal fire. All right, so we're going to go and we're going to look at Sodom and Gomorrah, because why would we spend time looking at Sodom and Gomorrah? Because what is the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? Some of you are probably sitting, watching, listening, already going, well, I know what the sin was. And so uh, we're going to look at it because it's one of the most talked about things in the world today. It's one of the things that the world is beginning to celebrate and worship. And so it would not be good for us, you see, as precept or people who are contending earnestly for the faith, people who are going to war for the gospel, people who want to teach sound doctrine and see good deeds performed in the world can't hide what the scriptures say. We've got to look at what the text says. 
in Genesis chapter 13, we are going to look at verse 10. And this is uh, where we have uh, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zor. So Abraham and Lot had to separate, and Lot chose this wonderful land, this place that was exceedingly great. And it says uh, he chose, in verse 11, he chose the valley of the Jordan and journeyed eastward. They separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked, exceedingly sinners against the Lord. This is an important point to note that way back in Genesis 13, we already see the uh, effects of sin on Sodom and Gomorrah. All right, Genesis 18, it is uh, 1820 to 1929 is the account of Sodom and Gomorrah and Sodom and Gomorrah's judgment. Uh, In verse 20, the outcry, uh, the Lord said, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly great. I'll go down now and see if they have done entire, uh, done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. Uh, then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. And then we see through the rest of chapter 18, that Abraham goes before God, and he knows where Lot is. He knows that Lot's in that location, and so he wants to uh, kind of go on Lot's behalf and kind of negotiate with God that if there's a righteous man there, will you not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And God determines that there is not a righteous man in the land, and therefore it will be destroyed. And then we pick up in verse chapter 19. Uh, Two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw that he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground, he said, Now behold, my uh, lords, please turn aside into your servant's house. Spend the night, wash your feet, then you may rise early and go your way. Then he said, However, uh, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house and prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Behold, uh, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, these great and wicked people of Sodom surrounded the house, both young and old, and all the people from every quarter. They called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men? Who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind them and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like and do nothing to these men, inasmuch they have come under the shelter of my roof. All right, I'm. We're not going to go any further into this. If you have studied scripture, I I challenge you to go through the book of Genesis. And I'm going to point out a couple things in Genesis. But again, 
because as precept people, we study the Word of God, we study it for ourselves, go back and look at the Scriptures for yourself and see what it says. And if you disagree with me, go back to the Word and see what, what we've got here. So let me give you the context of this uh, chapter 19. Two angels come to Sodom in the form of man. And they come, and they are present in Sodom, and they are with Lot in his house. And then the text tells us, I can't deny what the text tells me. The text tells me that all the men of the city came to the house. They surrounded the house. It was not just old men, but it was young men and old men, people from every quarter of the city. And they called out to Lot and they said, get those two men out here so that we can have relations with them. What we're talking about here is the sin of homosexuality. This is what we are re being referred to in the judgment that was coming. Yes, Sodom was a great and exceedingly wicked city. But in the text of Genesis chapter 19, we see clearly pointed out that one of the reasons that the judgment is coming is because of homosexuality. Do you see that Lot was offering up his two virgin daughters to these, to these men so that they would not act wickedly and corrupt, but these men turned them away? And then as you continue through chapter 19, we come down to verse 29. And in verse 29, well, we'll go back to 27. It says, Now Abraham arose early in the morning and went to the place where he stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and toward the land of the valley, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst in of the overthrow when he over, overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by fire. So much that when Lot's wife was told, when they were told not to look back at the fire and Lot's wife turned around to look at the fire, she too was judged for her disobedience. Folks, what is the understanding of what Jude is pointing out in Jude chapter 3? God hates sin. God is using the example of the Old Testament to show us that God hated sin in the Old Testament and God hates sin now. But notice what he says here in verse 7. He says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they were the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality, and they went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in the undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. You see, what we need to understand here first is we need to look at Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that the sin was homosexuality. And I'm not saying that's the only sin that was there. But I'm not sugarcoating it either. And I'm not going with the world that says, you know what? That homosexuality wasn't the sin that caused the judgment of God. In, in the eyes of Scripture and in the eyes of God, it doesn't matter what the sin was. What matters is that the people weren't obedient to God. That God called them to be obedient to the Word. That God calls all of us 
to be obedient to Scripture, that God has clearly defined what marriage looks like in the book of Genesis. He has clearly defined, even within the New Testament, that those who practice these gross immoralities and these sins, whether it be homosexuality, whether it be lying, whether it be anything, murder, all of these sins that we see within Scripture, any one of them will face the fire of eternal punishment. I know, I know some of you might be listening to this. Who knows where this is going to get shared? There's another guy from the church pointing out that that one sin is a great sin. No, I'm pointing out that all sin is great sin in the eyes of God. And the only answer, the only answer to not facing the wrath of God is Jesus Christ. The only way to be saved from that is to be washed in the blood, to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. This is the example that Paul, that Jude is giving us in the text. These three examples of how God judges sin in the Old Testament. And then we come to verse 8. We come to the closing verse of this week's episode when he says, Yet in the same way, these men also, by dreaming, defile the flesh, reject authority, and revile angelic majesties. Who are these, these men? It is the certain persons that have crept in unnoticed. These people that turn grace into licentiousness, these people who deny the only master, Jesus Christ, these people who are living in sin, they too will experience the wrath of God. And Peter, he discusses this in the book of Second Peter. He talks about how eternal punishment is coming. He says, do not let this one fact escape you. Escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise. If some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing for any of you to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away, and the roar with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. Eternal punishment by fire, as Jude says. The earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are going to be happening, this is what's going to happen to the ungodly believer. What are you to do according to Second Peter? You are to live in holy conduct and godliness, looking for, hastening the coming of day of God. Look for the promise. Look for the new heavens and the new earth. And as Jude says in Jude verse 3, contend for the faith. Fight for the faith. Teach sound doctrine. Do good deeds. That's the exact same message that Paul has in the book of Titus. 
sound doctrine and good deeds. You see, it's by sound doctrine and it's by good deeds that the gospel is going to go forward. We can't sit idly by. We can't just consume the Word of God. We've got to put the Word of God out. Why? Because the wrath of God is coming. And the wrath of God is coming against the unrighteous. And my desire, I pray, is your desire that we would be people who want to be out in the world, populating heaven and plundering hell. That we want to take the word of God to those who so desperately need it, because if they do not come to salvation through Jesus Christ, they will face the eternal punishment by fire. Jesus is the answer. He says he is the way, the truth, and the light, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. Look at the examples that Jude has given. He is going to judge sin. He's going to deal with it in his time. Both spirit and human are going to be judged for the way that they have lived on this earth. So may our hearts be prepared for the day of Jesus' return but we also need to have an urgency to share the gospel with others. That's your role this week. Get out, share the truth with one another. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for all that we have seen in the scriptures today. Lord, I pray that from these examples that we see and we understand the impact of sin, that we know that the only answer is your son, Jesus that you hate sin, that you will deal with sin, and that you will wipe out anything that is unrighteous from this earth. So, Father, give us urgency to share the gospel. Give us urgency to pay attention to what's happening around us. Allow us to continue to be alert and awake, to contend for the faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Precept Ministries Canada. Visit our website, preceptministries.ca, to find workshops and studies both in person and online that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.